Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the High Vibration Living Podcast. I'm your host, Chef Whitney Aronoff, founder of Starseed Kitchen and High Vibration Foods. Join me for conversation where we learn about food, wellness, beauty, travel, and spiritual concepts for high vibration living. Only you know what your body needs. Let this be the reminder that you have the power to tap in and know the food, self-care, and spiritual practices that will best serve you. I will be sharing my knowledge and learning with you from experts providing insight into nourishing all the layers of you, the physical, emotional, spiritual, and etheric bodies, so you can feel your best and live your dreams. Let's get started. Hi friends, welcome back to the High Vibration Living Podcast. I'm your host, Chef Whitney Aronoff, founder of Starseed Kitchen and High Vibration Foods. Today, I have a guest that has been in the nutrition scene for over 16 years. Sarah Britton is a holistic nutritionist and the founder of the food blog, My New Roots. Since 2007, My New Roots has been the place for her to share the edible inspirations from the kitchen using whole foods. Her recipes revolve around plant-based ways of eating with a focus on flavor, nourishment, and of course, seasonal cooking. Sarah is a holistic nutritionist based in Canada and a certified nutritional practitioner through the Institute of Holistic Nutrition in Toronto, Canada. She shares her recipes, teaches cooking classes online, and coaches through her learning platform, My New Roots Grow. We discuss her tried and true nutrition advice, understanding hormone health, which she has currently gone back to school to study and dive deeply into. We discuss seasonal meal ideas, breakfast, morning and evening routines, and just a variety of insight in how As we continue to learn about ourselves and learn about traditional nutrition, how we evolve our practices in taking care of ourselves as well as our family as our life evolves. So enjoy this beautiful episode with Sarah. Cheers. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Whitney. I really appreciate you having me. 
Well, like I mentioned when we first connected, I so admire the fact that you have been in this space in a holistic nutritionist for 16 years. And <laughs> it's just amazing. It's it's a long time to work in one space, you know? And I I always say like most of us constantly are transitioning our careers. And I know you have probably transitioned you know, your passion within the umbrella of nutrition over the years. How has your view on food and nutrition evolved over time? Great question to start. <laughs> I think it's it's changed a lot, but also not at all. I think foundationally speaking, I, I still really believe that eating a plant-rich, whole food diet is the best thing for our bodies. But that said, I think I've learned a lot more about different ages and stages of life and bioindividuality. And I think my perspective has really broadened. I have tried every single style of eating, I think, at this point. And, you know, I do that because I'm really fascinated by how food, uh, how it supports us or the other way. And I just really like being sort of a guinea pig <laughs> to see what works and what doesn't. Yeah, I, I think it's just broadened. I feel a lot more open-minded about food now and nutrition and what works and what doesn't and how we need to constantly be adapting what we're eating. And it's not like a fixed thing. Like I, just how I don't believe health is a destination. It's, yeah. it's kind of a moving target. And I think it requires a lot of flexibility and open-mindedness. And so in my career, I've sort of had to take on the same outlook. And I think I've done it pretty successfully. And I feel so grateful to have a community of supportive people that have stuck with me through the changes. And that seem to be, you know, just continuously engaged with my content. And I'm really, really grateful for my audience and, and the beautiful yeah, group of people that have all connected through my new roots. It's pretty phenomenal. So what worked for you diet-wise 16 years ago, and what's different about that diet today? So 16 years ago, I was fully vegetarian. I think I was vegan, actually, at that time. I became vegetarian when I was 16, and it worked for a really long time. I went through um, – I, I cycled back between vegetarian and fully vegan many times, mm -hmm. depending on how I was feeling. And – yeah, the way that's changed is in the last year or so, I've started incorporating animal products into my diet due to, yeah, hormonal issues. Um, I have been nursing a very, very serious injury that I was supposed to have surgery for, but I have successfully, um, yeah, gotten around that, which is incredible. So my diet now looks very similar to how it always did. I pretty much base everything on fresh produce that's local and seasonal whenever possible, whole grains that are prepared properly, um, legumes that are prepared. I always say properly because... Me too. Again, I don't think we should vilify any food, but I think we need to look at, you know, ways of processing those things. And grains are grains and legumes are just one of two of those food groups that really need a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to be incorporating them on such a high level, the way I was, I mean, I was living off, you know, brown rice and lentils. <laughs> that sounds so deprivational now that I say it, but that's what I was eating a lot of. So anyway, preparing them properly is essential. And, you know, what I've done is I have just sort of added stuff into that. So, you know, 
I don't want to say I've like cut anything out. I eat basically the same, except you know I roast a chicken on Sundays and make broth, or um, we have yeah, just little little bits of animal proteins here and there. I still eat eggs and dairy if it's you know really high quality, and I just think it's gosh, it's really helped heal my body. It's undeniable at this point, and I think I turned you know I turned forty a year ago. And I think in this new decade of life, just my needs are shifting and changing. I understand the protein requirements of someone my age. And I'm just really trying to respect what my body's asking me for and eschew all labels and dogma. And that's been really tricky from a professional standpoint. I think it's hard to do anyway. But when you have like a lot of people watching your transition, it's really challenging. But uh, the... Like I said, the community's been really supportive, and yeah, I feel really, I feel really good about the choices I've made. I feel very at peace with myself, even though that took some time to get to. You and I both have different education backgrounds, but very similar, and we both understand the importance of properly preparing beans, legumes, grains, that they aren't bad for you. They just have to be managed properly and prepared properly. So I understand what you're saying when you say that. I would love for you to share your definition of what that is. The way that I prepare grains and beans and lentils is by soaking them at least overnight in acidulated water. And I mean, you can use lemon juice, but I typically use apple cider vinegar because it's just Mm. cheaper and easier to get. Definitely more local than lemons here in Canada. And what that does is it starts to break down, um, well, phytic acid for one, which is the, uh, the storage compound for phosphorus in the seeds. And this is really convenient for us because that means they're not going to spontaneously sprout when they're stored in your pantry. And I'm sure your audience knows this, but, um, it's just really essential that we neutralize, um, phytates because, um, it's going to prevent absorption of minerals uh, in the digestive process. So that's really key. Um, And that goes for, yeah, any whole grains you can think of and also the legumes. Um, You can go so far, and I will go so far as to sprout them, even for 24 hours after soaking. And what that does is it, again, it helps to neutralize the phytic acid. And it, you know, in addition to really, um, I want to say, freeing all of these nutrients that are bound up, that are basically dormant, and then suddenly we have access to those nutrients. So I just think if we look to the past, we look how uh, we look at how people were preparing those foods generations ago. They knew that this was a really important thing, and it's sort of like you know looking at a loaf of bread versus a loaf of sourdough, and. Michael Pollan explains it best. If you give someone a bag of flour and a glass of water, they could last, you know, they could survive for maybe a few days. But if they take the water and the flour and they ferment the flour and then they make a dough out of that, you can live the rest of your life. You can survive forever on that, which is, I think, just the clearest explanation of the importance of fermentation, of of activating these foods so that they become, their nutrients become more bioavailable to us. Otherwise, you know, we're eating some great fiber. We've got the endosperms. We've got some carbohydrates, maybe a little bit of protein, maybe a little bit of fat, but we're not accessing the incredible amount of nutrients in these foods. So 
that's what I mean when I say prepare them properly. I agree. And there's nothing like making a good pot of beans at home. Mm. You're someone that's grown up or even as an adult making a salad and just opening a can of beans. When you make it at home and you let them really slowly cook on the stove and maybe you smash some so it becomes a thicker, you know, more like pinto beans. I mean, it is incredible and it's really rewarding because once you do it once, you can do it again and again and again. You'll save money. You'll feel better. um, You'll feel grounded. It's incredibly nourishing. Oh, I could not agree more. It's such a simple thing, but it is so nourishing. I love throwing like some aromatics in there. Yes. Um, whatever. You can just customize them. And it's, again, so much cheaper. <laughs> a can of beans is very expensive. Yeah. Uh, when you compare to the, the dried, you know, amount that you get. And then not to mention just, you know, not creating more waste. Like cans are really wasteful things. And so instead of throwing those away, we could just put the beans in a paper bag at the store and be on our merry way. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> your store gives you that. Yeah. So I'm glad that you're, I'm glad you're doing that for your body too. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Um, yeah. I would love to know though, what are some of the nutrition teachings you find that you've been teaching people over and over again throughout your years? What are some of the foundational things that for some reason people are just missing that you have to keep reteaching? I mean, that's a big one. The grains and the the proper, proper preparation of grains and legumes for sure. I think I've been beating that drum forever. Um, I think chewing is a big one. That's um, it's one of those things that, you know, you don't have to go to the store. You don't have to buy anything, but the improvement in your health will be dramatic. We tend to eat, very distractedly, either we're, you know, watching a show or on our phone or we're talking to somebody. Again, like our lives used to be so much simpler and a meal was a very, you know, even though you're doing it multiple times a day, it was much more ritualized. And I think there was a more connected aspect to the actual act of eating. And I think since we've lost that, we've also lost the awareness of how to actually chew our food. (laughs) And you know, there's no formula, but, you know, people say, oh, you should chew 30 times, whatever. It depends on what you're eating, of course. I mean, a smoothie, it's hard to chew 30 times, <laughs> but, and you should chew your smoothies. There's another tip. Uh, but being aware of how we're actually masticating our food and breaking it down, again, what that does is we're increasing the surface area of our food so that our enzymes can act on those larger surface areas, which means they're going to be drawing more nutrients out of the food we're eating. So let's say we're spending two or three times the amount on organic produce, but we're just like, you know, gulping it down. Again, we're not increasing that surface area. So we don't have the enzymatic action working to its full potential. So that's a big one. And then, you know, not just from a nutrient standpoint, but also just a comfort standpoint, you know, people complain so much about bloating these days, bloating and gas and I'm like, well, have you been chewing? Because that's another thing you're really going to notice once you start chewing well is that your digestive powers will be much stronger because it doesn't have to do as much work. Um, and then, you know, of course, there's we can get into things about, yeah, order of foods when eating and combining all these things, but larger conversation. Um, I think chewing, just, just starting there, just tra- starting with the awareness, 
of, you know, breaking it down properly. One of my teachers in school always said, chew till it's liquid. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is, that's a lot of chewing. <laughs> Again, it depends what you're eating. Uh, but that's a great goal to have. Even if you just try the first few bites of your meal, just to like get yourself used to it. And then it becomes habit. I mean, there's so many things oh, that seem pretty overwhelming maybe when you start getting into you start understanding how the body works it can be really overwhelming all the things to change but um i think doing really simple things just like being more aware of your chewing is, is key what's another one i guess hydration people seem to be pretty dehydrated in general i mean i think it's changing there's like so many people drinking out of these like massive jugs now, which I also have feelings about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's also really important to be adding things to your water to improve the bioavailability of water, like, you know, putting a little sea salt in or trace minerals or something. So that's something I've been telling people about for a while, especially if you're drinking reverse osmosis water or any kind of filtered water it's going to be removing minerals from the original source, then it's really important to put it back. Otherwise, our bodies actually can't really absorb it, which is wild. Uh, I think the nature connection is something that's, of course, not has not so much to do with food, but more just holistic health. I think having some kind of practice where you connect with nature, even if it's like a plant in your house, just having some kind of tie to the environment is really key. Um, I think any kind of practice that regulates our nervous system is really important for our health, mm -hmm. our mental and physical and spiritual health. Yeah, generally I'm a big believer in slowing down and finding time to just connect to yourself and listen to our bodies. I think it's really easy to say you should listen to your body, but it's very hard unless you have some kind of space in your life to do that. So I think that begins with slowing down with, Gosh, finding just moments in your day when you can really drop into your body and not be so much in our in our heads. I think we're really living in our heads a lot. And so having something, whether it's a movement practice or a breathwork practice or meditation, finding some stillness in our days will really give us that space to be able to listen. And our bodies will know the way. They will guide us. Um, we just have to give them space to, to actually talk. So when did you get the insight that you needed to go back to school and start studying more about hormone health? I was always really interested in that. I mean, it was really, I guess, in 2007 when I went to, or 2006, when I went to the Institute of Integrative or sorry, Holistic Nutrition in Toronto, and that really changed my life a lot. I finally figured out how this works, which was really cool. And that's when I started the blog shortly after because I really wanted to share about that. But hormone health specifically, I think um, in the last five years or so, which really lined up with this injury that I'm still recovering from, I noticed, um, yeah, my periods were pretty off, um, moods were off, there were lots of signs. So I became more interested in hormone health after that, which was postpartum and everything. I mean, I knew, I think I'd say the basics before, but I'm diving a little deeper now. And I'm currently taking uh, a course at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, which is fantastic. It's an advanced course in hormone health, which has been really amazing. And gosh, what a 
it, it just makes me appreciate our bodies so much. It is such a delicate and intricate system, mm-hmm. the endocrine system that, again, we're never taught in school. We're never, it's never explored. It's never emphasized how important it is. And again, our bodies are talking to us all the time and giving us all these little hints and clues and trying to guide us. But it's really hard if we've never been taught that language. You know, you're looking at a bunch of signposts in something you've never even seen before. So, oh, my dream is that we will have a world where these things are in the education system and the children from a really young age learn how their bodies work on a a deeper level because they absolutely can learn that. And then how to look after them. Wouldn't that be amazing? What I find really interesting is I feel like it's almost like at different ages, we should have gotten our hormones tested so we could see what our natural body baseline is. And so as we go through phases in our life where we just don't feel comfortable in our body or we can, we're in tune enough to know that something's out of whack we could at least go back and know what the best baseline is when it comes to our hormones and other fluids in our body. Do you agree with that after studying? A hundred percent. I really wish I had done a Dutch test or something similar uh, at that age. I mean, it'd be a great to do great thing to do every five years, you know, um, especially for women because we have, yeah, we just have so many fluctuating (laughs) chemicals in our bodies um, yeah, no, it makes it a little harder to contrast and compare. Like you'd have to really be at a similar time in your cycle than you were every five years to test that. But I wish there was baseline testing. It'd be great to start, you know, at 25, like do a bone density scan, um, do a hair analysis, do Dutch tests, which is hormone testing. If we had that information, we would be able to compare and contrast throughout our lives and then navigate through diet, through lifestyle practices. That would be incredible. Um, So unfortunately, because our systems don't really uh, support that at the moment, it's all up to the individual. And that's why I think it is really important that if you're listening to this, maybe go and get a hormone panel done. Or, I mean, there's so many testings, it can be kind of overwhelming, but whatever you're interested in learning more about, there's so many great in-depth tests now that can give you that baseline. So at least as you move forward in life, you do have where you were at one point. Um, I think it's especially important for things like bone density testing, because if you get a bone density test in your mid forties and they tell you, you know, 60% bone loss, well, you never know what you started with. It wasn't a hundred, like for sure. So unless you're like a bionic human being, uh, so that's why, yeah, I think earlier testing for everything is a really good idea. It's interesting you bring up the bone density because I have had friends in their forties come to me and say, Hey, I got this bone density test. The results were shocking. I thought mm-hmm. I eat a healthy balanced diet. You know, I have vegetables, I have protein. It's telling me, you know, that I'm on the way down and they want to prescribe me medication that I don't want to take. What do I need to change? Um, have you had any clients come to you with those, that situation? And is there anything that they can do diet wise to increase bone density in their forties? Yeah, there's a lot. Actually, there's a great book called the bone building solution. So I highly recommend that one, but the bone density testing, you know, in your forties is again, it's really tricky because it depends what country you're living in. But if you're in the United States, um, they'll probably put you on some kind of pharmaceutical 
to prevent the breakdown of bone. So it's osteoclast inhibitors, usually, that they put you on. And those have a cascading negative effect on other systems in the body. So you might be preventing uh, further breakdown of bone. But again, you're not addressing the underlying cause. Why Why do you have that uh, osteoclast activity going on? Or why is it elevated? So then you have to look at, okay, well, where, why, why, why is, um, for instance, like, why are we stealing minerals from the bone? Could that yeah. be um, a digestive issue? Could that be like, for instance, too much refined sugar in the diet? Because we know that when we eat acidifying foods or high sugar foods, we, we, um, we will leach uh, minerals out of the bones, blood and tissue to buffer, to buffer that, which is wild. So it could come down to that. It could also be that you've never done resistance training in your life. So one major thing to do with uh, with bone density loss is to do resistance training. So weight training is really important for women, especially as they hit 40 and, uh, and onward. Yeah, I think it's a much larger conversation. But just I would say to women especially, don't panic because it is very scary and doctors can be kind of inflammatory mm-hmm. and, you know, they want to make a buck, unfortunately. So they want to put you on meds. And I think we just have to be, uh, yeah, don't panic, become informed and educated and use that first bone density scan as the jumping off point. It's great to have it. My mom is actually a great example of this. She had a bone density test um, around my age. I think it was 42. She was diagnosed with osteoporosis. She changed her diet. Um, She actually gave up dairy products and started incorporating more calcium-rich vegetables into her diet. Um, What else? She was doing resistance training, uh, and she's off her medication now. And she has, uh, like, officially reversed osteoporosis. Did she have to remove cruciferous vegetables from her diet? Because a lot of people kind of threaten yeah. that, that it's the cruciferous vegetables that has caused you to yeah, <laughs> have the bone think. issues. I'm not sure she did because she really loves broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> Don't we yeah, all? I'm pretty, I do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's still on broccoli. Um, but she's, yeah, she was drinking a lot of milk at the time and eating a lot of cheese and things. And again, I'm not saying those foods are bad at all. Uh, I think Depends the source, depends on the quality, um, depends on the amount. And again, we're all different. We're all really different. So some of us digest that like really well and we can get the nutrients from it. Others don't. Um, depends on a lot of things. Depends on your digestive health. Like, you know, the food is one piece and it's so important. We make good choices around the things that we're eating. But we have to, again, focus on the foundation, which is, I really believe is our nervous system and then everything from there. Um, yeah. So that's, that's really been my focus for the last five years is dealing with kind of a fried nervous system and all the things that are affected by that. It's fascinating. I agree with you. You can get the food right, but you can still not feel healthy or be at the weight that you'd like to be at or be glowing the way you'd like to, or be moving the way you'd like to. Um, food is just one layer and you have to tap into that nervous system, the spiritual self, the mental self for all to find balance. And I think that's that's what I think is so interesting with the retreats that you do is you provide that opportunity for people to make that shift, um, to have the food and then make the physical, mental and spiritual shift. Yes. 
that was it's funny because it was not really my intention when I started leading retreats <laughs> that they would be so impactful. I thought it was going to be so great to get people together away from technology for a week, eating really delicious food, moving their bodies, being in nature. But I had no idea that it would really change people fundamentally and forever. And it's been, wow, such a, such an honor and privilege to witness these transformations taking place. And again, I'm just creating the container. It's always up to the individual. Some people come and maybe it's just like a chill vacation. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that, yeah, people are really moved by it. And um, the woman I work with, Nicola Marilyn Kesey, who, uh, who has a, her own movement system called Living Yolades, her and I work together to create a curriculum that's very cohesive and our teachings re-emphasize one another. So the people come away with a much deeper understanding of not only how the body works, um, but the mind and the spirit and how all of those interact. And, you know, we can sort of ignore them for a little while, but we'll feel it. So these retreats are a wonderful opportunity for us to tune back in and drop into our bodies um, it gives space to really hear what what we need to do in our life, and a lot of people end up totally reevaluating their priorities, and you know, even changing careers after leaving harmful relationships. Um, it gives people the strength to respect themselves, which is again never something we advertise or that we expected to happen, but it's really remarkable um, to, to see the the end result of this. Hi, I'm Chef Whitney Aronoff. As a personal chef, I created custom organic spices for my clients. These blends are of the highest quality with no added sugar, MSG, caking agents, or any junk. I want you to have the same access to good quality seasonings, which is why I've launched my line of organic spice blends. High Vibration Foods by Starseed Kitchen is my collection of chef-crafted organic spice blends made with only good-for-you ingredients. I use organic source spices, ancient mineral-rich Redmond Real Salt, prepare the blends listening to Kundalini Mantra music, then charge the jars with the quartz Giza crystals for a true high vibration experience. You can now purchase my most requested blend, 11 Magic Herbs and Spices, on starseedkitchen.com. Use code STARSEED for 10% off your purchase. Can't wait for you to enjoy. So one thing that I'm really passionate and interested in is what I call high vibration places, places around the world that carry a certain frequency. And when you're there because of what's underneath the ground that we cannot see or because of PowerPoints on the planet, we, it, it doesn't just calm our nervous system, but we experience a natural healing or energetic upgrade by being there. And I have found that you choose really unique places for your retreats. And I was curious if, I was curious what you're really looking for in finding those places that you have the retreats and if the land has something to do with your choice. Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. No one's ever asked me that. You know, we, I, I'm very attracted to beautiful nature. I think from the get-go, I, I love 
beautiful natural environments and I think we don't have enough of that in our lives so we always pick a place that's really special that way and beyond that um, it hasn't been every single time I've been able to go to the location first it's Mm -hmm. very intuitive and uh, the times I have I mean I've been to places and thought oh no this like there's the alignment's not here there's something energetic it's just it doesn't feel quite right um but I, I do really appreciate visiting, doing a site visit first, and even staying the night there, just to feel what it would feel like to, to spend a bit of time in that place. So, yeah, we've been to been to Bali many times, which is, yeah, I mean, the first time I went to Bali, we looked at property, like, <laughs> just for fun, but we, my partner and I were so touched by the lands there, and um, it's very magical. It's very, very magical. Now, now that we're in North America, based in North America, it's really hard to get there. So, um, yeah. it's, uh, we're not, sh- we're not sure about returning. We'll see. I would love to, it's a deeply spiritually energetic place and it's, um, it's unlike any place I've ever been in the world. I also recognize the distance and, you know, just the air miles it takes to get there and, I know wherever I go in the world, there'll be people flying to me, but um, more recently we've been down in Mexico because that's a lot closer geographically. And uh, the place we've landed on is absolutely stunning. It's very close to Yalapa. Um, So you fly into Puerto Vallarta and it's in this place called Shinalani, which is um, just outside a very, very small village with no road access. You have to take a boat there. It's very remote. It's very quiet. It's, really peaceful and it's a very sacred sacred land and I feel really drawn to being there I love it so much I love Mexico um, as a country but regionally we're in uh, Jalisco the state of Jalisco which is I mean the history and the indigenous wisdom in this place is really remarkable so we we also try and celebrate that on the retreats and yeah honor and respect people there Ibiza surprisingly Ibiza has been yeah yeah, people are sorry I think North Americans are very shocked when they hear I've done retreats there because I think from a North American perspective it's a it's very much like a clubbing destination and the island definitely has that of course it's very famous for that Um, but the north side of the island is incredibly peaceful and not in that energy at all and there's some just remarkable places uh the retreat we did was up in the mountains and so quiet so peaceful um there's there's a huge like hippie community there and spiritual community there which again is not it seems pretty incongruent with um yeah like the (laughs) drug fueled club scene no i say that without judgment um but yeah, we go for a very different side of things. We've also been to Portugal, uh, a place oh, that wow. I love very much. Um, and the next one is in Italy. And where are you guys going in Italy? We're going to Tuscany. We found this uh, old stone villa on a nature reserve. Oh, wow. And it's, uh, again, it's a place I haven't done a site visit. So I've had a lot of conversations with the people who steward the land there and it just, I think the fact that it has, there's so much property um, to explore and this will be a very much like land-based retreat where we're really going to be communing with the plants and the energies of the earth 
So I'm very much looking forward to that. I just finished the website this morning. So. I'm pretty sure there's hot springs in Tuscany too. Oh yeah. There's, I mean, it's a very charmed place. It's, yeah. it's really beautiful. The history, the food, the culture. Yeah. It will be our first time in Italy. I'm really looking forward to it. I know it's been a big place of interest for people in, in my retreat circle. It's called Golden Circle Retreats. It's the name of my company. And yeah, people have been requesting Italy for a while. So we're going. So since we're talking about high vibration places and retreats that connect you to food and your spiritual self, what are some of the wellness and spiritual practices that you enjoy doing for yourself these days? I think the biggest one and the one that I use the most is breath work. I became a breathwork facilitator about a year ago because that practice has really changed my life. It's changed my relationship to myself. They are some of the most spiritual, significantly spiritual experiences of my life uh, have been achieved on my own just by changing my breathing pattern, which is crazy. Like if you told me that a couple of years ago, I never would have believed you, but I got, I got really into it uh, because I was in so much pain and um, my nights were spent laying down and I, I, you know, I really couldn't walk past 4 p.m. And I had a lot of time on my hands and I'm, I'm such a doer and <laughs> doing something. So I, I got into breath work for that reason. And so it not only helped alleviate the pain, but it also, it, wow, it just, it opened me up to places inside my subconscious that I had never accessed before. And it, it shocked me, to be honest. So that's a big one. I really try and do, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, I try and do that every day. Um, and I'm teaching as well all over the world. I teach at my retreats and then starting to do little sessions everywhere I go, which is fantastic. And I'm so passionate about sharing that practice because once you get it, it's free. You, you can do it anytime. It's, it's totally self-guided and, uh, or you can of course listen to my, uh, <laughs> my sessions. It's probably one of the most ex- accessible wellness practices out there. And I'm so glad it's getting more attention and recognition and people are studying it more because it is truly fascinating what can take place. So that's a big one. Um, I'm really into cold immersion as mm. well, which, you know, often comes with breath work. That, that started again, just due to the amount of pain I was in. And I live very close to one of the largest bodies of fresh water in the world. And uh, I, I have to say, being cold was terrifying to me. It was something I avoided at all costs. And I remember seeing people cold plunging and kind of thinking they were crazy. And then I, I love swimming very much. And, you know, I, I swim every day or multiple times a day here at home. And I, towards the end of a season last year, sorry, the year before, I was like, I don't want to stop swimming. Maybe I'll just keep going in the water and I'll just see how many months into the year I can go. And I, I just kept going and my tolerance was built up and gosh, the endorphins that are released after two or three minutes in almost freezing water, it's pretty remarkable what happens. And it's many hours afterwards that you're experiencing this rush of dopamine and serotonin. It's, um, and that combined with breath work, I mean, you're just, you're very high on life. (laughs) And so those are two things that I've been doing a lot. Um, I'm resting more, not revolutionary, but it's, uh, it is for me. I think, again, I'm pretty type A, really 
have in the past based my self-worth and my productivity. And I have definitely gotten over that. And I think this injury really helped me to rest. It forced me to really, I didn't really have a choice. But what's come out of that is the realization that, yeah, I have to slow down more and I'm really passionate to spread that message, especially to women, because I find that we're just running around like crazy. We're not respecting our cycle. So it's all coming back to understanding where we're, where we are in our, in our menstrual cycle. And, um, yeah, taking the time when we're in our fall and winter phases to, to chill out and it's okay. Okay. I'll leave it there. I guess I could go on forever. <laughs> well, with that in mind, you know, we're moving into a new season. We're moving into fall. What are some of the things that you love making this time of year? What really helps you transition into the season and get you grounded after summer? Yeah, great. Well, I love, I mean, I grow some food in my garden here. So I'm sort of just observing what's going on there and taking cues from the garden and eating what's available. I think this time of year is very, wow. I was actually writing a post to put out in the next couple of days about it. It's so tenuous. Like we have to be very, very, very careful in this transition time. And TCM is known as late summer and it sort of starts mid August, runs through September. And it's a fifth season because the transition from yang or yang to yin, is very delicate and we have to be really mindful about how we transition. So Staying warm is a big one. Mm. We really make sure we want to make sure that even though we might be in the mind space of summer and the temperatures warm out, that we are dressing properly and really respecting when the temperatures drop because it, it, we're very vulnerable this time of year. Oh, what else? Yeah, I mean, switching from like using you know cold beverages to room temperature or warm beverages is really important. I know these things sound probably so simple and kind of basic, but it's really important. We shouldn't be drinking a lot of cold drinks anyway. Like ice is really not our friend. I'm sure you know. Yeah, um, it puts out the digestive fire. It's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's really important as we move into fall that we are respecting that and, yeah, not, not drinking any ice beverages. Staying well-dressed. Getting outside as much as possible is important because not only from just like a temperature standpoint, but an energetic standpoint, it's important that we're really observing and in tune with the external environment because that's going to give us cues to uh, what is going on internally and how we can respect our bodies that way. If you have some kind of yeah movement practice that that you really love, like just make sure you're slowing it down a little bit, that you're not pushing so hard. So like in the spring and summer, and this is also different for menstruating people because we're also in a monthly cycle of the seasons. So in the spring and summer, it's great to be doing like more energetic, more extroverted exercises, but fitness should really be changing to the season as well. So both throughout the year and also throughout our cycle as women or womb owning humans. Um, so that's key. Um, respecting the light more, um, yeah, shutting down technology earlier in the day, um, switching light bulbs out. If you have like uh, LED light bulbs, I would really recommend switching back to incandescent just because, uh, it's a lot easier on our nervous system. 
Um, for those who don't know, LED lights, uh, they, they're on, but they're flickering at such a fast rate. It's very, it's almost imperceptible. But if you've ever taken, this is interesting, take a slow-mo video in, your, in a room in your house uh, where your lights are on, and you'll know because there'll be this sort of flashing, and then you'll, you'll oh, that's what that is. That's your fluorescent lighting going. Um, and, yeah, burning more candles, preferably beeswax candles, um, bringing your plants inside uh, from outside. What that's going to do is help increase your, just improve air quality, and everything's sort of in this, like, downward energy. Sorry, you also asked about food. <laughs> so... I would, you know, I'm starting to eat more root vegetables. If you think about what's happening in the earth, this energy is all descending. It's descending into yin energy, which is going into the root of the plant. So now is a really good time to start incorporating root veggies in your diet. If you want to eat them raw, you totally can for the next couple of weeks, but then very soon we want to be transitioning into just cooked food. Um, my TCM doctor looked at my tongue the other day and I always have a lot of dampness in my large intestine because I love raw food. I love salads. I love smoothies. And he's like, have you been laying off the raw food? I said, yeah, I have been. And he, he noticed immediately. So that's cool. Cause it's been years that I've been trying to work on alleviating that damp coldness. So <clears throat> those are things that are important. Um, Broth is a really great thing to start incorporating, either a plant-rich broth or uh, bone broth. I really love chicken broth so much. I make it with both the carcass and then the feet. And it's like should be jiggly when it's in the fridge, should be nice and set. Um, it's amazing for gut health. It's really energizing, and it's just a beautiful thing to start your day with. It's really balancing for your blood sugar, so little cup, just a small little cup of bone broth in the morning is something I'm doing. Um, another really nice thing to do if you're not into that is drinking cacao, uh, like ceremonial cacao. That's a beautiful and very, very delicious uh, drink to start incorporating into your mornings. Yeah, so those are some of the foods I'm eating. Root veggies, broth, um, really long stewed grains, from um, eating oats or something, really cooking them a long, long time, making sure everything's nice and broken down and easy to digest. These are great tips and they sound delicious. <laughs> Super easy. I also love roasting chicken, I must say. Roasted the first chicken in a while the other night, but it was, yeah, it's pretty delish. And when you do breakfast, so you mentioned bone broth, you mentioned cooking your oats longer, so adding more water and letting them cook on the stove longer than. The, what the directions would be on any package. Is there anything else? They don't even tell you to soak them. Yeah. Oats are actually, they have some of the most high phytic acid content of any grain. In fact, even soaking them is said it's not that helpful because they're loaded. In fact, I should also say I don't eat a lot of porridges in the morning anymore. I find it spikes my blood sugar way too much. So I'm really trying to focus more on protein focus more on really keeping my blood sugar balanced at least that first meal of the day because then otherwise I'm sort of like on a roller coaster now that I've become now that I'm aware of it I can feel yeah. the energetic like woo <laughs> if I have a sweet breakfast versus one that's more savory um yeah so lots of fiber lots of protein good fats that's how I like to begin the day now what are other things that you like to prepare for breakfast if I do a porridge or something I'll often throw lentils in um, oh yeah yeah, so that's really good. And then, I mean, one of my favorite breakfasts is the Revolutionary Pancakes, which is like a 
buckwheat-based blender pancake. And I developed this recipe for my son when he was a baby because I really wanted him to be getting more whole activated grains in his diet. But they're really hard to eat for babies, of course, because they're so small. Mm -hmm. And um, I invented these pancakes for him and he gobbles those up. He has those almost every morning. So those are, it's uh, one part or two parts buckwheat and then one part other gluten-free grain uh, and then a legume. So I typically do buckwheat, wild rice, um, millet, quinoa, and then red lentils or brown lentils or green lentils, something like that. So you soak all of that overnight with, uh, in apple cider vinegar, water. And then you drain and rinse it the next day, make a batter, ferment that. So it's kind of like a double ferment. Wow. And then that is a super high protein, high fiber, very easy to digest pancake. And that you'd never know because it's so delicious. And then you can top that with all kinds of things. So it depends what I have in my fridge, what's available, but I love making them savory. So I'll scramble a couple eggs or put some roast veggies in there, some goat cheese, some sprouts. Um, and if it's in the winter, I'll steam the sprouts because um, we shouldn't be eating, again, too much raw food in the colder months. So wrap that up. So delicious. Like, amazing. It's a great breakfast. It sounds amazing. Thank you. I'm going to check out the recipe. So revolutionary pancakes. Revolutionary pancakes. If you Google that, you'll, you'll, find, you'll find the recipe. And you can find, find my – there's a full cooking tutorial on – my membership site called grow. And so if you are sort of the kind of person that learns visually, that's going to be a really helpful place for you to go visit because uh, I make all of the classics and then, and then some uh, on grow. Yeah. Tell me more about your new program and your new grow website. Yeah. So my new roots grow is the Netflix of wellness. It's called, and it's really a resource for people who want to learn how to look after themselves holistically. So it's cooking video classes because that was the most requested thing from people. It actually was spurred from the idea that not everyone in the world could come to the retreats. So it's Mm -hmm. like, how can we get people to retreat in their home? And, uh, you know, on the day to day, how can we support them through their health? So it's video cooking classes, um, exclusive recipes. So I have the blog and I have Instagram, but these recipes that live on grow are exclusive. So that content lives there. Then there are interviews with people in the wellness worlds, uh, in agriculture, in you know, wellness products. It's really fantastic. I love the interviews very much. Um, we've got movement classes with Nicola, the woman I mentioned who I do the retreats with. So she has yeah, a number of classes on there ranging from, you know, five or 10 minutes, very soft and easy ones to one hour plus more intense, you know, and those ones are for, you know, your follicular phase, (laughs) for instance. (laughs) And now we've got ones for the luteal menstrual uh, phase of your cycle. Uh, We have, you know, mini retreats that are self-guided, but you have the recipes there. You've got the movement classes. Um, I do breath work uh, as well. There's all the breathwork sessions, which are both visually and auditorially guided. Um, we've got, it, it's, it's a lot, Whitney. There is yeah. so much in there. And the cool thing is we have different tiers. So if you're just interested in recipes, you can come in at the lowest level for five bucks a month. And if you want everything and you really want to do a deep dive, then you can join at $17 a month. And we've got one in between as a combination of them. So 
I hope that there is something for everyone there. The feedback's been amazing. We have a beautiful community. Um, I do monthly live classes as well, which is a wonderful way for the community in Grow to connect and like just look each other in the eyes, <laughs> at least virtually. And yeah, the whole idea was to have a space that was commercial free, that was kind of, I don't know if you've heard of the term, the cozy internet. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Okay. It's a cozy place. There, you know, it's just very quiet and simple. It's sort of the way my new roots is, but it's behind a paywall because the content is updated every week. And that's really my full-time job is running, yeah. is, is running that site. So yeah, it's been, a yeah, an incredible project. It will hopefully last forever and just keep building and growing and continuing to support people all over the world. And I love that you've offered the opportunity for people to cook with you. I think it makes it so much more fun, especially for people that are wanting to try new recipes or are a little intimidated, you know? Um, they can actually see from you how you prepare your soaked grains or your soaked legumes. Because um, all you got to do is see it once and actually move through the motion. And then you can, you can do it yourself over and over and over again. For sure. It's, I, I'm a very visual learner. And I know that I can read something 10 times over until I see it. And I'm like, oh, that was so simple. That was so easy. And it's just really, yeah, it's reassuring for sure. So I, I'm glad that we have the resource available to people where they can see how simple it is. But they just need a little handholding, which I totally understand. Changing your diet is a big deal. And like, even for me, sometimes trying a new recipe or something can just feel like a lot of work. So we, we aim to make it fun and approachable and like a joy that it should be. It's such a privilege to cook. So I want it to be fun for people. Well, can you share again um, where people can go to learn more about your classes and your program and your retreats? Sure, yeah. Well, you can find me on Instagram at My New Roots which is also the name of my blog, also the name of my cookbooks. Um, so I've got two out. Then my retreat business is called Golden Circle Retreats. And you can find that at, you just Google that. The website, my membership platform is called Grow. So if you look up My New Roots Grow, um, you'll find that. And yeah, those are all the places that I'm existing at the moment. <laughs> well, can you leave our listeners with maybe just one healthy tip that they can consider adding into their life after they've just consumed all this goodness, maybe one simple one that they can try if they want to see shifts. I think the thing that's really transformed my life and has helped me become more present is gratitude. It's, it's a practice of gratitude is coming into awareness of the gifts in our life and what that awareness does. It really changes you on an energetic level. Um, when you live your life from the perspective of gratitude, I think everything can shift. I think it affects us on multiple levels that we're not aware of. So I know on certain days, it's really hard to find those sparkly things that we're feeling thankful for, but it can be really simple. It can just be the feeling of breath in your lungs or your ability to walk or your ability to cook. Or when I'm feeling a little stuck in that way, I'll go outside and I'll just spend time with a plant and I think about the consciousness inside of that plant and the, I don't know, there's just such a feeling of gratitude to coexist with the intelligence of this planet. 
and to be alive. Like this life is such a gift. And I think we can get really um, distracted in so many ways by all the things that are coming at us all the time. So slowing down and just feeling gratitude will really change your life if you can allow it in. It'll definitely bring in more joy. That's the natural feeling that comes from gratitude. I'm so grateful that you joined us today on the podcast and I learned so much from you and thank you for the work that you keep putting out in the world and your studies and how you keep sharing. Well, thanks Whitney. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all you do too. You're doing amazing things and really appreciate all that you share as well. Well, thank you. Come back anytime you have more to share. Um, and as uh, you continue to grow um, my new roots. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the High Vibration Living Podcast. Please leave a five-star rating and review wherever you are tuning in from to help more listeners like and find this podcast. And if you really loved what you heard today, pay it forward and send this episode to a friend or loved one. For more Starseed Kitchen, visit starseedkitchen.com and follow us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Be sure to pick up a jar of my high vibration foods, organic spices, which you can purchase on starseedkitchen.com. You can find me and follow along on my chef adventures on all your favorite social media channels at Whitney Aronoff. Thanks again for tuning in. Cheers to you and your health. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.